Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and the title of my message today, this is actually part one of a two-part series called The Time of Betrayal. As y'all may or may not know, I recently came through um, a years-long betrayal. I just found out about it. I don't want to talk about that betrayal today because I'm done talking about it. I talked about it on the Apology Podcast, and that's all I had to say about it. I'm still in pain over it. I am still in shock, but I'm working through it the best I can. And, you know, it is what it is, and we just have to move on. I am praying every single day for the person involved because I care about her, and I want her to go on and do better and be in a closer walk with the Lord. I don't think she's a bad person. She's just a person with unresolved issues. And I pray that the Lord heals her and helps her to move forward. So... Today is February 23rd, 2022, as I'm recording this very late at night. And today, this morning, the Lord gave me a word for tomorrow called No Stone Unturned. It is a very intense word. I want to read it to you now, and then I think you will understand. My children, the enemy of your souls has sent assignments against you, the church of the end time. Realize these assignments are far more widespread and intense than his usual attacks, since you are those who will lead the last souls to salvation. The spirits of jealousy, offense, and division have been sent against all of you who spread my true gospel. Assignments of strife have also been sent to stir up pride and bring division. Jezebels are being assigned to those of you doing the most damage to the kingdom of darkness. Much betrayal will take place in this time. Assignments of pain, lack, and sickness have been sent to deplete my true church's resources so they cannot continue their work. You will see many of my churches close in this season due to these things and the increased persecution of my people. Now, when he said assignments of pain, lack, and sickness, uh, the pain and the sickness keep people out of church. A lot of people, when they don't go to church, also don't give their tithe and their offering. Um, Assignments of lack, that we know what those are, that's an assignment against a minister or ministry to not have enough. And what happens is Satan sends an assignment like that and delays or stops people from giving. Assignments of apathy and discouragement have been assigned to those not fully committed to hold them back as well. Now, those are not lukewarm Christians, but they're people that just don't care quite enough about the Lord and his work and things like that. The enemy has left no stone unturned in assignments against my church and my people in this time. I will tell you, I can confirm these assignments. All the ministers I know, including myself, are all fighting attacks 
of pain, sickness, betrayal, relationship issues, and finances. My own pastor is out of church still with both pain and sickness. He's been out for a few weeks now. I can't remember how many. Two or three of us have been hit in the finances and in relationships. It's just hard right now, y'all. And it's tough sometimes to keep your courage up and keep going, especially knowing it's going to get worse. But you know what? I believe with all my heart, the Lord our God is going to strengthen us as we move forward. He will empower us to finish this race. So just hold on, okay? And I'm trying to do the same thing. And forgive my voice, please. It's it's eight minutes till midnight on Wednesday. So I've been um, working all day, so I'm a little bit tired. So sometimes my voice gets a little bit weak. But I do want to warn y'all about something because... I keep seeing it and seeing it and seeing it, and it disturbs me deeply. I saw it again tonight. I don't want this to happen to any of you, okay? I keep seeing that a lot of people, as things continue to get worse and they don't know what to do, are going to take their own lives so they don't have to face what's coming. And y'all, please, please don't do that, please. That is not the answer. Do any of us want to face this? Of course not. But the Lord chose us for this. Jesus did not want to face the cross either, but he did. And he did that for you and for me. So we need to think about that. So other people I know are fighting apathy. And there are many attacks of discouragement right now. I talked to the Lord several nights ago about that very thing. It's hard when you're already fighting constantly and you know more is coming. I think a lot of us are are struggling with that because we're like, wow. Because then you get hit with with discouragement, like, well, if I get up from this attack, I'm just going to get hit with another one. So knowing many of you are also feeling this, I wanted to do this show and talk about all these things. And by the way, if you want to follow along with this show and the next one, I'm I'm taking most of this from my book, The Judas Test, the book the Lord told me to write some years ago about betrayal. Because he said in the time coming, there would be a lot of it. And here we are. And this is just the beginning, y'all. It's going to get way worse than this. Way, way worse than this. What is betrayal? And what does betrayal feel like? It feels like your heart's being ripped out, honestly. Because it's always committed by somebody that you cared about, usually a lot. As I walked through the pain and anguish of this betrayal, I, this most recent one, I was reminded of something um, that the Lord said years ago. He said that in the future, he said, I want you to write this book because in the future, my people are going to suffer many betrayals and not just his people, y'all, but all people are going to go through this. As the time of the end approaches, evil will continually increase. That will not stop until time ends. Okay. Is there any way to prepare for all that betrayal that's coming at us? We can, as far as understanding it um, and understanding that it will come through people that we love or we care deeply about and setting our hearts uh, to give a proper response, what the Lord wants us to give. And I will tell y'all, and many of you already know this, but the last time I suffered a huge betrayal, I don't think I did pass the test. I think I did not pass it. That was the high place warriors incident. I was heartbroken for months over that betrayal. I actually believed those two people were my friends. And I guess I was just gullible or stupid. I don't know, but I did not feel like I passed that. And the Lord told me then, he said, you'll be tested again. And I thought, uh, 
Um, I hate this test, so I'm hoping this time I pass it. But um, that's the thing about the Lord, you know. You flunk the test, you get to take it again. So keep that in mind because you want to just pass it and, you know, and keep passing it so you don't have to keep taking it. We are out of time. We've got to start passing these tests, y'all. So few people walk through life without suffering betrayal at least once. And some people experience it over and over and over. And I pray I'm not one of those people. The Bible relates numerous stories of betrayal. As Christians, we are familiar with the story of the ultimate betrayal, the story of how Judas Iscariot, one of the original 12 disciples, betrayed Jesus. You can find that story in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and John 18. I want you all to think about something here. Why did Judas sell out his friend Jesus for so little? For 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver would be like getting 30 $20 bills. I mean, it's not that much money, right? I mean, you wouldn't sell a person for that, right? Why did Judas sell Jesus out to be killed for so tiny a sum? I think it's possible Judas may have cared less about the money than about the favor that he was going to need with the chief priest when Judas, when, um, Judas, when Jesus's ministry collapsed which was what he believed was going to happen. What was to stop them from rounding up all of Jesus's followers and imprisoning or killing them once they got Jesus out of the way? What would happen to Judas? I think that's what he was thinking. What's going to happen to me? What about me? It is also possible that by betraying Jesus, Judas was trying to force the hand of Jesus to show his power as Messiah and thereby establish his kingdom on earth since, of course, Judas expected a position in that to be the treasurer. Keep in mind, especially now in this time, that Satan will always attempt to land his most devastating blows on you by using the weakest link in your circle of loved ones and acquaintances. And by the weakest, I mean the one with the weakest relationship with our King and Savior. Because that's the one that's easiest for him to get through. It could be that Judas had seen Jesus give the slip to the authorities so many times that he actually thought he would just slip away again uncaught. So there they were at the Passover meal when Jesus told all his disciples, including Judas, that he had been betrayed into the hands of men. And to this, Judas shook his head in disbelief, like, no, it can't be true, acting as innocent as the others actually were. So that's the story of the ultimate betrayal, the betrayal of the Savior. The definition of betrayal is the act of delivering or exposing to an enemy by treachery or disloyalty or to be unfaithful in guarding, maintaining, or fulfilling, to violate a confidence by revealing or disclosing in violation of confidence. And here is a rule. True betrayal can only happen where there has once been a closeness or an intimacy. And that former intimacy is exactly what makes betrayal so painful and so deadly. Judas knew the routines of Jesus, so he knew where he could be found. And he knew that because he had a privileged position of closeness and learning under him. And that made telling the authorities where to find him a piece of cake. Luke twenty-two, forty-seven and 48. 
And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude. And he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Always keep your eyes open when somebody starts kissing up to you. Can I just say that? So I want to tell you something the Lord taught me years ago. Whenever a Judas shows up in your life, it means that you are up for promotion and it is a test to see if you are ready for promotion. To get your promotion, then you must pass the Judas test. When this test shows up at your doorstep, and in this time it will, you will have the opportunity to show whether you really believe in crucifying your flesh and your own desires or whether there is still enough of the old you left inside that you will try to vindicate yourself, justify your position, and maybe even get a little vengeance on those who betrayed you. So let's talk about the many faces of betrayal, because betrayal has more than just one face. And if we are going to pass this test, we need to be able to quickly recognize every one of its faces whenever it comes for us. Now, let me tell you something if you don't already know. We are going into a time of betrayal unlike any before it. And in this time, we will likely be experience betrayal after betrayal after betrayal as everyone around us sells us out to try to save their own hides. And because the word says that we will be hated of all nations. So somebody's going to make us look bad and everybody's going to start hating on us, okay? Okay, betrayal face number one, they want to be you. The fall of the prideful, Lucifer. The Hebrew word translated Lucifer is Hillel, and it only appears one time in the King James Version. It actually has the sense of something bright or shining, and I believe the place where it appears is, uh, Oh, how art thou fallen from heaven? Lucifer, son of the morning or something, and it's in Isaiah which according to Isaiah, Lucifer once was bright or shining. Subsequently, however, he is called Satan, which means adversary. So Lucifer betrayed God by tempting his creations, Adam and Eve, to sin against him in the Garden of Eden and got tossed out of heaven on his ear. He didn't think living amongst all that perfection and having an important position was enough. He wanted more. He don't want things from God. He wants to be God. And he is just prideful enough to think he can pull that off. So God put him on time out. What happened to Satan is the very epitome of Proverbs 11.2, which you will see played out anytime you see someone extremely prideful. If you don't see it this side of eternity, they will experience that fall about one second after they leave this life. And that verse is, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Face of betrayal number two, jealousy over your acceptance by someone and their lack of it, Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter four tells the story of Cain and Abel. I'm going to read you verse one through, I need about one more hand, Uh, eight from the King James. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And 
Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Abel was a shepherd, I guess, and Cain was a gardener or a farmer. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering, brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thou countenance fall? What's wrong with your face? If thou doest well, shalt thou not also shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Some translations say um, sin crouches at the door. I like the one that says crouches. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Cain was jealous, because Abel was accepted, and he wasn't. I always wondered why Cain's offering was not acceptable, and my friend Nicole gave the best explanation for that I've ever heard. She believes it was because Cain had awed in his heart against his brother, which must be true because we read in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 23 and 24, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. If we are told to leave our offering at the altar and go make things right with our brother, then I have to believe our offering will not be acceptable or accepted if we don't do that. So I think Nicole is 100% right about why Cain's offering was not accepted. So Cain, in his jealousy over his little brother Abel's offering, being more acceptable, slew him, committing the first murder. And God said, that was very naughty of you, Cain, and put him on time out. There are many reasons for betrayal. Jealousy is one you see pretty often. People who exhibit the traits of Judas tend to harbor a lot of jealousy. Another instance of betrayal involving jealousy was King Saul's jealousy over David. Bringing us to the face of betrayal number three, the popularity contest, jealousy over a more favorable public opinion. King Saul and David, which is chapter five in the Judas test. Have you ever dealt with betrayal by someone in your church or fellowship group? This is not uncommon. It should be among the people of God, but think about it. Who does Satan most want to bring down? The people of God. Sometimes jealousy arises over popularity or promotion or closeness to this or that person in the church, the anointing, or somebody has more than somebody else. It happened to King David. It can certainly happen to us. I'm going to read y'all 1 Samuel 18, 7 and 8 from the King James. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? Oh, in verse nine, and Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And that was when he started trying to kill him. King Saul 
could not stand David after that because everybody preferred David in his excellence to King Saul. So he pursued him for years through the wilderness trying to kill him. But eventually David became king anyway because God had already ordained it and King Saul died. And King David also gave a godly response to King Saul's death. You know, even after he chased him all those years and King David became, you know, king over a certain part of Israel and he just left the rest of it alone. And then when he heard that Saul had died, he actually gave a very godly response. It's hard not to love somebody who walks in excellence like that, right? And I know everybody's like, oh, but what about Bathsheba, Bathsheba? Yeah. He had Uriah killed so he could marry Bathsheba. That's true. It was, I don't think it was the adultery that the Lord was so upset about with that. It was King David's abuse of the power God had blessed him with. I think God cared a lot more about that because that's far more wicked than adultery. That is a very big thing because if you will notice, the Lord our God has all power. Does he abuse it? No. He don't even act ungentlemanly with it. We are all his creation. He could force his will on all of us if he wanted to, and he would have every right, but he don't. So I think that's a big deal to him. Okay, y'all, I know I didn't get very far in this, but I'm going to end this because it's after midnight and my voice is going and I'm so tired. I have worked on this for I don't know how many days that I've been working on this, but I'm worn out. So, um, I just, I wanted to make y'all aware that betrayals are already increasing. They're going to get a lot worse. And that, yes, we are walking in a very difficult time. We are going into a time that's unlike any before it. But it's going to be unlike any before it in both good and bad ways. We're going to see God's glory in this time, y'all. We're going to see miracles even greater than what Jesus did. And we're going to see them. We're going to witness them. We may even get the great honor of being used in some of them. I don't know. Our job in this time is one thing. Keep believing, number one. Don't deny him. Absolutely do not deny him. And you're going to be tempted, trust me. And keep doing the work of spreading the gospel. At some point, you know, the persecution is going to rise and be unbearable, but we'll probably be gone before them because they, either the Lord will take us home or they will take us out either way. Either way, we get to go home. So you got to go some kind of way. And here's the deal. Even if we lived in a regular time, you're going to die of something. There's no guarantees with that either. So I'm just saying, don't worry about it so much. We just, we just need to face it and not, we need to try to have courage and not be worrying about it all the time. We need to get the work done because I know the Lord has said that he's going to take, even now that he's got plans to take some of the people home who've been, you know, doing a lot of work, getting their work done and stuff like that. I have no idea if I'm one of them. You know, I keep hoping that I am. But on the other hand, I don't hope I am because, you know, I have children and grandchildren in this world and I really want everybody to go. I don't want anybody that I love to be left here for this. I don't want anybody I love. I don't want any of y'all to be left for it either for the evil stuff that's coming. So we need to pray that we will be counted worthy to escape what's coming because the Bible tells us we can pray that. So I'm going to go ahead and end part one of the series here. Um, and we'll continue with part two for next week. I'll probably post it early. I usually try to do, if I'm doing a multiple part series, I try to record them as early as I can and then go ahead and post all of them. So y'all can listen to them one after another if you want. But 
Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap? Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook.